Daniel chapter 6. We're continuing to look at some Bible story classics. That's what I like to call them. They're, they're good stories that are, are pretty well known. Some of the, some of the stories that, that a lot of us may have read as children as we were in Sunday school. And uh, so we've just been going back and looking at some of these classic stories over the last few weeks. We've talked about David and Goliath. We've talked about uh, Samson. Uh, we've talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was in Daniel last week, and we're continuing on uh, in Daniel a little further this week. Daniel chapter 6, let everybody turn to that. I'll also add, too, that Ernest has some great skills at drawing out a cakewalk on the, on the ground. I'm going to tell you what, it was very pro. He used a three-color design. It looked way better than anything we've ever had in the past. And so he is a man of many talents. So thank you, everybody, for all your hard work yesterday. I won't go through a big lengthy introduction. I gave a pretty lengthy introduction last week about, uh, that, about Daniel and the Israelites and how they ended up in Babylon. They were conquered uh, by the Babylonians. And what we saw last week was we saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, along with Daniel. Those four are mentioned at the beginning of the book. And, and these are four men who are still trusting in the Lord, even though they are in a foreign land, even though they have been uh, brought into captivity by uh, somebody else who's ruling over them. They, they, they weren't compromising who they were and the God that they believed in. They were willing to stand up and stand firm for him. As a result, God blessed them and they, they found favor in the king's eyes. Now, the problem with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the king's eyes was that they uh, wouldn't bow down and worship this statue that he had, had erected. So, as a result of that, uh, he determined that he was going to throw them into a fiery furnace, which was heated up extremely hot. But to his surprise, he saw that God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, in that moment, Nebuchadnezzar recognized the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as the Most High God. Now, we see in the verses that follow that King Nebuchadnezzar mentioned other gods. So, even though he may have recognized Yahweh, that is the God of the Israelites, the God that we serve, as the Most High God, it seems as though he wasn't completely devoted to him. We see in Nebuchadnezzar's life in the verses following uh, that God does humble him, and he even praises the Lord. He calls out to the Lord and uh, gives the Lord uh, his due praise. And that's what we see in the first part of the book of Daniel is this king Nebuchadnezzar. And it seems as though from the text, as best I can see, that he ended up being a man who, who turned his life to the Lord. Now we see another king uh, come into play in the verses after uh, those verses about King Nebuchadnezzar. His name was Belshazzar. Now not to be confused with Daniel whose name was Belteshazzar. It was changed to that when he went to Babylon. Uh, not to be confused, uh, King Belshazzar uh, also, uh, also experienced some time with Daniel, to cut it short, but he did not have a, a real change in the same way that we see Nebuchadnezzar. And then in the verses we're reading about today, we're reading about another king. Some would say his name is uh, Darius. Some would say Darius. I'll say Darius. I don't know which one is correct, but it's neither here nor there. And so here in just a few chapters of time, we've seen Daniel have interaction uh, with three different kings. Now, it seems clear to me that God was using Daniel in the midst of this foreign land, and Daniel was one who was taking a stand for the Lord, and as such, 
It was having an impact and an influence on the life of the kings that Daniel was interacting with. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read this story in Daniel chapter 6. I couldn't really find a good spot to, to break it up. It's not a terribly long chapter. And I wanted us to read the whole story so that we can understand exactly uh, what's going on in this story in Daniel chapter 6. So we'll start in verse 1. We'll read through this whole story so we can get an idea of what's going on. We can see it all play out. And then after we read through the text, uh, we'll pray and we'll break it down and talk about a few things that I think that we can take from this text this morning. So let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning. I pray that as we look at these, these, these classic stories from the Bible, dear Lord, that they're not just a story to us, not just a, a, a tale that we remember, but God, that we realize that they were truth, that they are truth, that they did happen, dear Lord, that you were with these men and with these women that we see throughout your word. And all these miraculous events that we see take place, dear Lord, God, you are still a God of miraculous events in this world today. We still know that you can deliver us from our horrible situations, that you can give us strength, that you can give us comfort, dear Lord, that you can uh, do mighty things, God. And we, we, we know that you can because we see it in your word. So help us not to forget that when we read these stories. And I pray, God, that as I read your word today, that I would uh, just, just read it well, dear Lord, that everybody's attention will be turned to you as they follow along, as they listen, dear Lord, that if they hear nothing else today, God, that they hear these 28 verses of Scripture, dear Lord, that the Holy Spirit would speak to them. And God, I pray that you help me to be faithful to do, uh, do your word justice today and to preach and teach in a way that's going to point people to Jesus Christ and bring glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king explained, excuse me, so the king planned to set him over the whole realm. Now we are kind of introduced here in this story to exactly what's taking place. Now Daniel had found favor in the king's eyes. He had caught their attention. Now there were other, other people, these satraps and these other people. Uh, we can kind of think of them as kind of people that were over different areas of the, of the kingdom there and they all had a little bit of power and they were over certain things. Uh, and Daniel had found favor with the king and this was a problem because Daniel was, was from Israel. He wasn't a Babylonian. He was one of God's people. He was one of the captives that was brought in. Yet the kings had looked upon him favorably. They had brought him up into a position of some, some, some power, uh, reminiscent of what happened to Joseph when he went into Egypt. He was a foreigner that had come in, but had, uh, because God was with him, uh, God blessed him, and, and, and God allowed him to find favor in the eyes of those who had, who had conquered him. In the case of Daniel here, the Babylonians were, had conquered them, and here Daniel had found favor with the people, and that was going to cause some problems. And these other people who were serving alongside Daniel, uh, that was going to cause some issues. Let's read a little further in verse 4. 
The administrators and satraps therefore kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Now here we have a good a good scripture that tells us about the character of, of Daniel. Daniel's character was strong. They said, okay, we got to get rid of this guy. We don't like this guy. We want him gone. And so they tried everything they could to try to find a charge against Daniel, something he had did that they could accuse him of, but there was nothing that Daniel had done. He was, he was a good guy. He was living a good life. He was, he was not causing any problems. There was nothing that they could find to charge Daniel with. Verse 5. Then these men said, We will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning, concerning the law of his God. Now, isn't that a beautiful testimony? That the one thing that they could see that was constant about Daniel was that he loved the Lord. They could all see that. They couldn't find anything else against him, but they knew there was one thing for sure they could say about Daniel and that he loved the Lord and that he was faithful to the Lord. That's a good thing for us to think about. What do people say when they look at us and see us? Can they say the same thing about us? Or do they say just the opposite? If someone wanted to bring a charge against us, could they, could they bring a charge against us? Is there something that we've done? Now, I'm not talking about necessarily breaking a, a law. But I'm talking about something that we've done in our heart. Maybe the way our attitude has been. Maybe the way that uh, we've done something or treated someone or something we said. Have we uh, lived a life in the way that Daniel had? Have we lived a life of integrity? Are we living a life of integrity? Can people find charges against us or do they look at us and say, I'm going to tell you what, he or she, they love the Lord. Not implying that we're perfect. I'm not saying that by any means. But there should be something that people can see about us. Daniel had that something. That something was he loved the Lord, and the people saw that through his actions. Let's read a little further. Verse 6. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, May King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days anyone who petitions any god our man, except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the document. Now, here are these people who are out to get Daniel. So what do they do? They kind of play on the king's ego. Oh, king, you are so good. Who is better than you? I'll tell you, you're such a good king. You need to make an order that nobody else can pray to any other god or any man other than you. You are the best king. You need to do this. And if you need to do this and make sure that there are consequences for anybody else that is going to worship somebody other than you. Now, I don't know that they really loved or cared about the king that much. Maybe they did. But their ulterior motive was is that they were trying to get Daniel in trouble. Why? Because they knew that he was a man of God. They knew that he was a man of integrity. And they knew that no matter what happened in his life, he was not going to worship anyone else other than God. And so they come up with this grand plan that they think is going to eliminate Daniel, take care of their problems, and they can go on their merry way. Verse 10, 
When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in its upper room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Isn't that beautiful? Didn't even phase Daniel. He kept on doing things just as he has done before. He continued to praise the Lord. Let's read a little further, verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any man who petitions any God or man except you, the king will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, As the law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, for he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Well, now the king realizes that there's an issue. Why? Because he likes Daniel. And now he knows what has taken place. Uh-oh, I've set this into place and there's nothing I can do. And so, boy, the king was, boy, he just, he just felt the weight of that. Golly, here was Daniel, one that the king liked, and now he was going to have to put him to death because that's what the order had said. That's what the document that the king had signed had said. Anybody that wouldn't worship him would have to be put to death. They were going to be thrown into the lion's den. Let's read a little further. Verse 15, Then these men went to the king and said to him, You as king know it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Now isn't that something? The king, he tried his best to get Daniel off, but they come back to him and said, Nah, -uh, king, you can't do that. You know that whatever you've signed, whatever you've put into place, you have to go by it. You can't change your mind. You can't allow Daniel any special privileges. You have to carry out this law, this rule, this edict that you have established. You have to carry it out. And so the king did just that. He sent for Daniel and brought Daniel in and had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Now think about that for a second. Think about what a horrible, horrible uh, feeling that must have been. Imagine if you were going to be thrown into a den of lions today. It wouldn't be something that we would be looking forward to. That would be a very scary thing. If you've ever seen a big and beautiful lion before, it's a, boy, it's a beautiful thing. And to hear a lion roar, there's power there. It's a beautiful depiction, a beautiful illustration that we see of our Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament, that he is a lion. That's beautiful. We also see Jesus depicted as a lamb. We see his power and we see his gentleness. And here Daniel is being thrown to the lion's den. Let's see what happens. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Man, that good stuff right there. Here's this king of Babylon who was calling out to the God of Daniel saying, Daniel, I'm praying for you and may the God you serve deliver you. Now that's good stuff. 
Now we see here, we see through these texts that the king loved Daniel. We also see that he is acknowledging God, much in the same way that we saw with Nebuchadnezzar in the chapters before. And so the king here prays, essentially, God rescue Daniel from this lion's. That's good stuff. Even the king of Babylon had faith in the God of Daniel. <clears throat> Verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with, its, with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. So the king put this into place. He said, God, I'm, he said, Daniel, you're in this lion's den. May your God deliver you. The, the lion's den was sealed off. It was sealed with the king's signet ring. Nobody could break in there. It was done. The only hope that Daniel had was in the Lord. That's a good person to have hope in, by the way. The only hope that Daniel had was in the Lord. And the king, after placing Daniel in the lion's den, he went back to his palace and he was broken. We see that in this language there. He fasted. He didn't eat anything. He didn't want anybody to come in. No diversions. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He couldn't even sleep. He was there all night and he was worried. He was thinking about Daniel. He was wondering about Daniel. Had God heard that request? Is, is, is Daniel's God delivering him? All that night, King Darius couldn't get any sleep. He was torn. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing that Daniel had impacted the king of the nation who had come in and overtaken their people. Isn't that beautiful how God can work? Sometimes we may say that. Boy, how did I get in this situation? Well, maybe God put us there, even as bad as it may look, because God wants to use us just like he used Daniel. Daniel had already had an impact on the first king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he had already had an impact for the kingdom of God here with King Darius. And I think that that's evident based on the care and the love that Darius has and the acknowledgement that God can deliver Daniel from the lion's den. Verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Can you imagine what it was like as he went there? He rushed down. All night he had waited. He goes, Daniel, Daniel, are you there? Did God hear you? Did God hear you with the hopes that God had heard the prayer, that God had delivered Daniel? He goes and he waits. Daniel, are you there? Verse 21. Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They haven't hurt me, for I was found innocent before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den uninjured, for he trusted in his God. The king then gave the command, and those who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Wow. Isn't that something? Daniel was in the lion's den 
all night long and was completely unharmed by the lions. Now some maybe would make the argument, well, maybe the lions weren't hungry. Maybe it was just a coincidence. Well, you can't make that argument when you read the next verse because those who were malicious against Daniel, Daniel was there all night unharmed and when the others were thrown into the lion's den, they didn't even reach the bottom before the lions had crushed them. The lions had devoured them and the lions had killed them. No, the lions were hungry, but God protected Daniel. God delivered Daniel. God sent his, da his angels over Daniel. Daniel said, look, I was found innocent in the eyes of the Lord. I haven't done anything against the Lord. And king, I haven't done anything against you. And the king said, you know what? Enough of this edict stuff. I'm going to take care of business and I'm going to do what needs to be done. Daniel was rescued and those who had done evil were delivered over to destruction. That's kind of a good picture for you and I. That's kind of the same way it's going to be for us when we stand before the Lord in judgment. Now, we are going to be found innocent, not because of what we have done or how good we are, but we will be found acceptable to God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we stand before God, if we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, if we've accepted Jesus, if we have made Jesus our Lord and we have followed Him, then we will be delivered on that day of judgment. But those who have acted maliciously, those who have neglected the Lord and rejected Jesus, Jesus Christ, they will suffer some, some horrible consequences just like these that we saw here. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to those uh, of every people, nation, and language who live in all the earth, may your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, People must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Boy, that's a big change of pace. Before he signed a document that said, nobody pray to any other God or any other man other than me. And now, just a short time later, he says, nobody pray to anybody other than the God of Daniel. That's who you need to acknowledge and be praising. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Isn't that a beautiful story of deliverance for somebody that trusts in the Lord? Here we see Daniel in a foreign land. Here we see Daniel facing uh, sure death in the face of being thrown into the lion's den. The same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And through all of this, we still see the power of God. Now, there are three things that I think we can take from, uh, from, from these stories that we've looked at in the last couple of weeks in the book of Daniel, and in particular in this story today. One is that Daniel never gave up on the Lord. Even though that here's this foreign land that came in, the Babylonians come into uh, Judah, they come in and take over the people, they are held captive, Daniel didn't give up on the Lord. Now that's a good, good thing for us to recognize and to remember, is there may be times in life where you want to give up on the Lord. There may be something that happens. There may be a horrible thing in your life and you say, there can't be a God. This is too bad. Or God doesn't care. Or why didn't God listen? And there are plenty of people in this world who have given up on God. 
because their situation got too bad and they gave up on the Lord and they quit serving Him. Now Daniel could have done that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have done that. The few faithful that would have remained in the land of Judah uh, uh, at, at their captivity could have done that. But you know what? They didn't do that. They didn't give up on God no matter how bad their circumstances got. Not, not only did they not give up on God, but they continued to serve God. And as a result of that, we see how God can sometimes use us in situations where, well, we may not understand why we're there. But look at the impact. We've, I, I mentioned Joseph in Egypt a while ago. Look at the impact that had. That was a horrible situation. His brother sold him into slavery. But had it not been for Joseph being in the land of Egypt and, and making it up high on the chart, had it not been for Joseph, then the people of Israel would have never been able to come to Egypt in the land of famine. All of these things take place. And God put His people right where He wanted them so everything could fold out just the way that God wanted it. Even in situations where it looked bad. Here was Daniel in a horrible situation, overtaken by another nation, but even still, because he was faithful to the Lord, he was able to impact even the leaders of another nation. That's pretty good stuff right there. That is pretty good stuff, and we need to remember that, that Daniel did not give up on God, and as a result of that, God used him. The Bible is full of those stories. I think about uh, 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 the book of Esther. Where here we have uh, Queen Esther who is going in and God is going to use her to spare the Jews. And there's a, a verse in there and at the end of the verse it says, For such a time as this, that is all of these things were put into the place in the life of Esther. She was allowed to be the queen for such a time as this. Because there was a time coming that she needed to be there so that God's people could be spared. And in unlikely circumstances, here was Queen Esther who God was going to use to save the day. For such a time as this, that phrase comes to my mind a lot sometimes. And maybe it's a good verse that you want to look up and you want to read and you want to have in your mind. Perhaps there is a time that you're going through right now that you don't understand, but God's word is good to you there. For such a time as this, God has placed you here in this moment, in this time, in this situation, with these people, with these circumstances, because he is going to use you. You may not understand it. It may look like you're, you're all alone and you may very well be. But God can use you just as He used Daniel, just as He used Esther, just as He used Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just as He used Joseph. They did not give up on the Lord no matter where they were. They continued to serve Him with all their heart. Number two, the second thing that I think we can take from uh, the story of Daniel is that Daniel didn't allow where he was to change who he was. Now, Daniel was, was part of Judah. They were people who worshipped Yahweh. They worshipped God. Now, when they were taken to Babylon, the Babylonians didn't worship the Lord. They, were, Lord. they worshipped many false gods. Now, Daniel could have given up and said, God has allowed us to be captured. I'm in this foreign land. My God hasn't done anything for me. Therefore, I'm going to serve these people. Their God has given them power and wealth. I'm going to serve their God. But he didn't do it. He didn't allow his circumstances to shape his life. He didn't allow where he was to change who he was. He was a follower of God. 
And he was going to follow God no matter where he was. Whether he was well taken care of, whether he was in captivity, no matter what happened, whether he was doing well, whether he was thrown in the lion's den, he did not allow where he was to change who he was. He did not say, hold up a second, I'm going to get thrown into the lion's den. I'm going to... Sorry, God, I'm done. I'm not going to worship you anymore. King, I'll do whatever you say to stay out of wherever you're going to put me. He did not allow, allow where he was or where he was going to be to determine who he was. Who he was was a child of God. Who he was was a follower of the Lord. And he was faithful to God through every circumstance that he went through. He didn't give up on God and he didn't allow where he was to change who he was. Now, sometimes that may be something that we're tempted to do and maybe even guilty of doing. We may be in a situation where there are certain other people there and things they may say or things that they may do and that we may know that they, boy, they're going to give us a hard time about the Lord. They're going to make fun of us. They're gonna, it's going to make my life really tough if I stand up for the, for the Lord. So while I'm here in this place and around these people, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut or I'm not going to take a stand maybe when sometimes we need to. Sometimes we allow where we are to change who we are. It's not that it changes that we're not God's children all of a sudden, but it changes the way we act. We don't act the way that we should act or maybe do the things that we should do, but not Daniel. Daniel's a good example for us. He didn't care where he was. It didn't matter to him if he was in Babylon or if he was in Jerusalem. It didn't matter to him if he was looking out his window or if he was in the lion's den. No matter where he was, he was a follower of the Lord and he was going to serve him with all his heart. The third thing we see in the life of Daniel is that Daniel loved the Lord more than he loved his own life. Daniel loved the Lord more than he loved his own life. Now that's good stuff right there. He said, God, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I am going to take a stand for you. I am going to live for you. It doesn't matter if my life is going to be taken. We saw the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego last week. They loved the Lord more than they loved their life. And that's what we should all be striving for. That's what should be our goal, is that we are in so, uh, so much in love with the Lord that we would rather die serving Him than live for the devil. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to me, at least, when you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the stand that they're taking. And they said, look, last week in the verse we read, they said, look, we know that our God can deliver us, but even if He doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're still going to praise Him anyway. We are not going to give up on Him no matter what our circumstances may hold. Daniel did the same thing. No matter what was before Daniel, he was not going to give up on the Lord. He wasn't going to say, well, hey, I may die. I may die if I take a stand for the Lord. I may have to go to places where it's really going to hurt me, where it's really going to inconvenience me. But Daniel loved the Lord more than he loved his life. That's a good thing for us to think about today, that we love the Lord more than we love our life. Now, there may indeed have been times in some of your lives where it was life or death for you if you took a stand for the Lord. It may be that, that maybe it's not life or death for you, uh, but it may be sometimes that taking a stand for the Lord is going to inconvenience you. You ever seen the stories about missionaries that go all over the world? They, give, they leave everything they have. Maybe they've got a good job and a good home and they're doing okay. And they leave and they go to a country where they don't have anything. 
They've got a family. They take their kids out of a good, safe school and a good, safe place, and they move to a country where they have no power, where they have very little food, where their life is in jeopardy, where their kid's life is in jeopardy. Have you ever seen somebody like that and said, I just don't think I could do it? Have you ever seen somebody like that and said, what are they thinking? What is going on in their life? I can tell you. They love the Lord more than they love their life. They know that serving the Lord is the most important thing. Now, most of the time, uh, missionaries, uh, sometimes it's just they, they're ready to go. Other times it's something they struggle with just like you and I would. If God were to call me today to go to a foreign country where it was going to be very uncomfortable and my life was going to be in jeopardy, I can promise you I'd be praying hard, God, is this really you? And there are some missionaries and, and people who, who jump at the idea, but I would say a lot of them are probably like, like me and maybe some of you. We might say, God, is this really you? Is this really what you want me to do? Because I'm kind of selfish, if I'm honest. Because I like to be comfortable. I like hot showers. I like hot meals. I like being able to go out and eat. I like air conditioning in the summer. I like heat in the winter. I like to be comfortable. But sometimes God places us in places where we're not comfortable. Sometimes God places us in places where we have to give up a little bit for Him. And the question that we have to answer is, are we going to allow our own love for our life to dictate our decision? Or are we going to allow our love for the Lord to dictate our decision? I'll tell you what Daniel did. He loved the Lord more than he loved his life. And these are good things for us to remember. These are good things for us to think about. He didn't give up on God no matter how bad his situation was. He didn't allow where he was to change who he was. Now, there may be a temptation for us in this world to conform to the world, but Romans chapter 12 says, look, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. That's what God wants us to do. It's so easy for us to just say, I'm going to be like everybody else and just kind of go with the flow and do with what the world says because that's a lot easier. But God's Word says, do not be conformed to this world. I'm not calling you to be like everybody else. I'm calling you to be transformed. I'm calling you uh, for your mind to be renewed. I'm calling you to be a light for me. I'm calling you to wherever I may send you to stand up for me. And that's exactly what Daniel did. He didn't conform. He didn't say, I'm in a foreign place. They've overtaken us. God's given up on us. I'm giving up on God. Therefore, I'm just going to start living like a Babylonian and for the rest of my life be done with God. He didn't say that. He didn't change who he was. He still trusted in the Lord. And he loved the Lord more than he loved his own life. You know, Jesus tells us in the New Testament that in Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 25, if you want to, if you want to flip there with me. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, that's exactly what Daniel did. Now, he did this years before Jesus died on the cross, but Daniel did the very heart of exactly what Jesus was calling us to do here, to give up everything that we have. If we want to follow the Lord, we have to deny ourselves. We have to realize that God is more important than anything that, that, that we want, that God's ways are higher than our ways. We have to love God more than we love ourselves. And I think we can get some beautiful lessons from the book of Daniel from these stories that we've looked at. 
Maybe there are some here and you've given up on God because of your circumstances. I got good news for you. God can forgive you. Maybe there are some in here and you're looking back at a situation you're in now or a situation you've been in in the past and you allowed who you were with or where you were at to kind of change how you lived your life. And good news, God can forgive us of that. Maybe some of us realize today in reading these passages and seeing how Daniel lived his life and said, Golly, God, I want to love you like that. I still am selfish. I still love myself a little bit. But God, I want to love you like that. Let that be your prayer today. God knows that we are weak human beings and that we struggle. But God is faithful to help us. If we call out to the Lord and we say, Look, God, I want to love you more than I love you. I know I don't love you enough. I know I'm kind of selfish. But God, help me deal with those things. God, help me to love you more than I love anything else, even my own life. And God hears those prayers. And God will help us. It may happen overnight. It may take time, but God can begin to work on our heart when we humble ourselves before Him. And maybe God spoke to you today. If He has, today might be the day that you need to humble yourself before the Lord, that you need to come to Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what's kept you from coming to the Lord, is you love yourself a little too much. But maybe the Holy Spirit's working on you. Maybe He's been working on you for a few days and you realize, you know what? I've got to give up my life. Jesus Christ gave up his life for me and he calls me to do the same thing. If we want to follow him, we have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross. That is, we are going to face difficult times sometimes. It's not always going to be easy. But as we see from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the story of Daniel, that if we stand for the Lord, he will be with us. He will take care of us. No matter how dark and deep and scary the circumstance is, God will be with us through the end. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and I thank you for these good words and I pray that you help us to remember them and to live by them, God. Daniel is such a beautiful example to us. God, your word is full of beautiful examples of, of brothers and sisters in Christ that are living the right life. God, they're not perfect. We saw that from, uh, from, from the story of Samson, dear Lord. And we, we too are not perfect. But God, you're there to forgive us. You're there to lift us up. Sometimes you tear us down, dear Lord, because that's what it takes to build us back up. Sometimes... You humble us, God, so that we can call out to you and praise you. And I pray, dear Lord, that if there is one here in this place that does not know Jesus, that today would be today. God, maybe there are some that has give, that's given up on you because you didn't answer their prayer or, or take care of their situation in the way that they thought. God, I pray that they would just turn to you, that they wouldn't give up on you if they have, that they would just come to you in repentance and seek you. Dear Lord, maybe there are some, and we've allowed our where we are and our circumstances to, to kind of determine who we are and how we act. But God, we need, to, we need to live for you every day of the week, no matter where we are. We need to be like Daniel, dear Lord, and just continue on serving you. It's evident that everybody around us sees that, dear Lord. Not for our praise, but for your praise, God. And I pray that you would help us to love you more than we love ourselves. God, help us not to be selfish. God, it's just our natural human tendency, I think, just, just, just to be selfish and worry about ourselves. But God, you call us to more than that. You call us to love you with all our heart, and you call us to love other people as ourselves. And so I pray, God, that you help us to see that in Daniel's life, and I pray that you help us to see that uh, through what Jesus did for us on the cross, and I pray that you would help us to live that out. And if there's one that have not made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, God, let the Holy Spirit convict them today. Let them make that decision. Let their heart turn to you and follow Jesus. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.